Resuming Nerd World Order Broadcast Dynatherms connected Initiating broadcast signal in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, Gentlemen and Knights of the Nerd World Order, this is the Nerd World Order broadcast. I am the man that you call Dukes, and to my right, it's all about the... Booyah! What's up? It's your boy, baby! <laughs> and to my other, other right, weighing in at 178 adamantium-filled pounds, coming straight out of Krakoa, Alfonso X-Man Flores. Like Wolverine always says, did you get my point? <laughs> And coming in on my other, other right, Derek, can you smell what D-Rock is cooking? Murray! What's going on, guys? Very, very excited to be back. I am super excited to have you back, Derek. Thank you once again for uh, being part of this episode of the Nerdville Order broadcast. Derek wrote an article recently about the movie. Surprise, no. surprise. I know, I know. Everyone's shocked. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is dude is like as soon i hadn't seen the movie when i initially read your article so i was like okay well you know derek derek is giving us a perspective but he's not giving us spoilers and so you know what ladies gentlemen and knights this will be a spoiler filled review of nope uh, we're going to discuss everything we're going to get into it so you know Feel free to enjoy this episode, but understand there will be spoilers from this moment moving forward. Uh, we're going to be discussing Nope. Uh, let's see here. So I know Derek's seen it, obviously. Derek, do you want to give us a quick overview of your article? Uh, yeah, I mean, I basically just tried to talk about, you know, Jordan Peele and his filmography um, and just not, you know, I think one of the biggest hurdles that we have now is when Jordan Peele comes out with Get Out, it's really hard to want to watch anything. I mean, everything else is just automatically measured up to that. Um, so I was trying to, uh, you know, avoid just giving it this this measure of, you know, oh, is it Get Out or is it better than Get Out? Because it's that's not really what he's doing here. He's not making that kind of movie. So, um, you know, I was really trying to get into just what the movie is, uh, what it does well, what it doesn't do well. Um, and I came away from everything in the article really feeling like this movie is going to be pretty divisive. And I, I don't think we're all going to agree. Um, and actually, even if we all agree, if we like it or not, I don't even think we'll all agree on the level of how much we like it. Because it's, it's, it's a movie that, and I said this in the article, but it's a movie and Jordan Peele, absolutely does this but um this is a movie that requires to talk about it after you see it um and love him or hate him jordan peele makes sure that he makes a movie that you have to discuss afterwards i agree 110 percent, man and i think this is a great forum for us to discuss this uh, movie let me start off by asking alfonso now alfonso you didn't see the movie correct i love that it's so funny 
Quite okay. Alfonso is the research expert. He's probably going to know more than all of us. However, you have seen a lot of Jordan Pill movies. Have you not, Alfonso? Oh, man. Keanu, that's what I'm talking about right there. Nice, nice. Interesting, interesting point. That is indeed a Jordan Pill movie that most people overlook. But what do you think about uh, Jordan Pill's filmography as far as the movies he's done? You know, um, Get Out was was amazing. Uh, I still haven't seen Us. I keep meaning to get to it. But, you know, with a kid at home, my window of opportunity for scary movies is very small. And, of course, I don't want to watch it too late at night because I'm a big baby. But, um, you know, the man's, he's, you know, he does, he does great work with his comedy. I mean, right off the bat, he's, it's just out there, you know, and there's a fine line between comedy and, and drama. I think Uh, a lot of people don't really see it that way, but you know, I try to, you know, make it out like I'm a little bit of a funny guy. And, uh, but I know how I can be super dramatic too, according to my wife, but you know, he's this movie from the get go. I'm like, Nope. Nope. I gotta, I want to see this. You know, I like horses, Wait, why, 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 why is Glenn a cowboy? Wait, what? Wait, I don't know if you like horses as much in this movie, actually. What's, what's with the, right? <laughs> you like, oh, Sorry, yes, my screen just nope. keeps falling. I, I don't know what's going on. I apologize. Continue. Yeah, totally I'll, cool, I'll, bro. I'll you're, you're fine. I'll fix it. Yes. So you see, the thing is, I, I wanted to watch the movie, haven't had an opportunity to. So I knew we were going to talk about it right now. So I just hit TikTok and I watched everything I possibly could about this movie. And I am super stoked. They had me at Biblically Accurate Angels. You don't know how long my daughter has been telling me about Biblically Accurate Angels. I'm like, what? She draws them all the time. It's ridiculous. I'll have to send you guys some pictures later. But when I heard about that, I'm in. Biblically. Yeah, Alfonso yeah. makes me think I, I, I didn't watch the movie I watched. Yeah, I don't know what I, TikToks you watch, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't I, I was like, that. What? Okay. did I watch? Nope. What? <laughs> did I watch okay. the wrong movie? What? <laughs> so again, I didn't watch it. Was there something with a bunch of wings and a bunch of eyeballs that just looked like a blob of whatever? So, so see, here's the thing. Here's what's wrong with with TikTok, bro. And I'll try to tell you. So, <laughs> like, well, one day I was on TikTok and um, Chick Fil A had a burger. Hey, it's a secret <laughs> burger at Chick Fil A. Right. So my son got off work and said, "Hey, Dad, I'm going to Chick Fil A. You want anything?" I said, "Why, sure." <laughs> There's a burger on the secret menu. He said, "Are you sure?" I said, "Yeah." I seen it on TikTok. Son's in the drive-through. Hey, yo, I like to get a burger. And they're like, what? I'd like to get a burger. Yeah, we don't do that. You must have watched that TikTok, huh? Yeah, we don't do burger. <laughs> okay, wait. Was there anything that looked like that? Uh, uh let's say maybe. Yeah, that's that's rough, man. I, yeah, I you're reaching. I mean, well, whoever I did the TikTok is reaching. Whoever did the TikTok's reaching. Yeah, it's it's a reach. That's, don't forget that's right, watching it then. <laughs> so so let me uh not be TikTok, but kind of educate you a little bit, Alfonso. That's there is a reference for. to the movie, uh, what is it, One-Eyed Something-Something Purple People Eater. Mm-hmm. So I believe that's probably where that reference was made from TikTok. Are, are you this, I mean, the film, the film also opens on a Bible verse, so it's not True. like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's not like there's not... 
I mean, there are there is biblical allegory, absolutely, but I mean, I, I there's no angels. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. <laughs> Wait, this is a dogma. <laughs> no, no, I was just thinking about that movie the other day too. I love that movie. So great, so great. So, Joe, uh, what's your thought of Jordan Pill's movies? What What I like about his movies is you, you know, he's going to give you some type of shock value. He's going to do some. Hey, look over here, but this is really going on over here. And I appreciate the style. He's different. So it's just like, you know, Derek said, he's very different. He refers to some old movies in this one, like, you know, E.T., just to name one of them, like he, like he referenced. But he references a lot of homage to old school horror movies. But it's funny, Derek, you mentioned Get Out, but none of us said us. <laughs> So you got to wonder, like, how bad was us? I know Alan didn't like it. I really yeah. liked us. I, I'm yeah. one of the few people that actually liked that movie. Yeah, uh, but that's the that's the one thing with the with Peel when he makes his movies. You're gonna, like you had said, they're gonna there's gonna be decisive opinions on whether or not they like the movie. But it warrants something to talk about. Yeah. And you got me thinking too, because you had mentioned in your article that you would like to see him do a black and white movie. I'd be totally down with that because I think. If anybody can pull off a movie that's black and white, not Snyder, you know, he did that one. I was just like, ah, whatever. Um, but yeah, if anybody can 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 make a, a hit movie in black and white, I think he'd be one of the guys that could do it in that genre of mu- movies that he makes. Oh, so I was gonna. I think the one thing that he does very well, and I said this in the article, is is just his his uh, visual mastery of just mm-hmm. being able to tell stories through nothing but visuals uh is uh it's incredible and yeah and like you said i mean you can tell that he loves these movies like et and jaws Mm -hmm. and the thing um you know all all these horror classics this is very much an homage to Mm -hmm. all of that um but there's a lot of like you can just tell that he loves movies um, and he loves movies so much that he wants to literally create the medium that that we like, which is visual storytelling. Um, and that's why I said, I mean, dude, give me give me a Jordan Peele movie that's black and white with no uh, no dialogue. It's just a silent film. And all it is is visuals and a killer soundtrack. And I'll buy my ticket right now. I don't have to know what the movie's about. I'll buy it right now. I'm in. Let's go. I, t- I totally agree. Matter of fact, he could have probably made Superman's mustache look a lot better. <laughs> no. but not as good as mine at comic-con <laughs> so i'm gonna have to agree with uh both uh joe and derek just that i feel like the thing that i like about jordan pill movies is they're so multi-dimensional you know it's like you can look at it just as a surface level movie and it's great it could be an action movie could be a horror movie uh this one's being described as sort of a genre bender between both science fiction and also horror but then at the same time there's always this degree of social commentary in all of his movies which is like okay wow well which is why we're having this conversation because Mm -hmm. you know we we probably aren't going to get together to have a conversation about jurassic world but this movie makes you think like wow what was he really saying and the thing is all four of us are going to have a slightly different vision of what he said and that's why i really love his movies and then i feel like there's a third way which is you know we we're men of a certain age right so we grew up watching these movies whether it be like et or jaws or the thing and he gives us pieces of those in the movies that we watch where we're like i see you jordan pill you're giving us what we want but making it look fresh 
I really mm-hmm. dig his movies, man. Totally love them. Uh, not us, but all the rest. <laughs> hey, I got a question for you guys. I got a question for you guys. So all these all these horror movies from back in the day, right? All these movies, like like even Jaws, you know, I guess is I guess it is a horror movie, but you know, like there was all the suspense, all this play in your head. You know, you don't know what the monster is. You know, it's out there. You and you, you know, you you got all this going in your head, and then finally towards the end, you get the reveal, and and it was awesome because it was like, whoa, you know, it's like your you know your your head will play so many more games than than you'll actually mm-hmm. see. But do you think they did that because they were trying to draw that out of you, or you think they did that because they didn't want to do too many practical effects? <laughs> I feel. Go ahead, Derek. Go ahead. Oh, I was going it. to say it's, it's it's a combination of both. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I know for a fact that 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 mechanical shark was an absolute <laughs> practical effects nightmare. Like, it, <laughs> like they absolutely hated working with this thing. It never worked. Like, it was uh, an absolute nightmare to make Jaws. Um, mm-hmm. But and and I think Peel very much taps into this when you talk about Alan. We were talking about like social commentary and you know kind of building layers underneath that. Um, Jaws is probably the biggest influence on this movie. I mean, when you get when you get to the end uh, and and that final scene when you know she she launches the the big giant balloon and it goes up and he eats it and then it blows up. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's very definitive that he is like no. Jaws is the movie I'm trying to remake. Like mm-hmm. it is very, very clear that yes. that is his influence. Um, so I think there's some of that practical effect stuff, but I, I, I do think that uh, one of the things that this movie does very well is create that really suspenseful atmosphere um, because we're never really sure what it is we're experiencing. Um, and what, I mean, is it an alien? Is it an alien ship? Is it nothing? Like we, we are never really sure until the final moments and, and the whole story is them trying to capture this mystery and never really be a- being able to, and things just escalate and get weirder and darker and stranger and more haunting. And, and it's, it's very in tune with those types of things. So I think it's a combination of both. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. So gentlemen, we're jumping into portions of the movie. Do we want to start with the story of OJ or the story of Jupe or just intermingle them? Joe, what do you say? Ingo mingle, because I heard a jingle. <laughs> okay, we're going to angle intermingle, um, and we might jiggle jiggle, but we Ooh. will not fold. No so fold. Uh, let's get into intermingling. I'm just going to start off talking about Jupe, uh, you know, Jupe and uh, Gordy the monkey, because I felt like uh, that's the opening scene, right? And yeah. when you watch the opening scene, you're like, what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. I came here to see aliens and there's a monkey just <laughs> running havoc. This isn't what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. So, so initially, you know, the jupe story, how did you guys respond to that? Like initially watching that, what did you think was going on? I thought it was another tra- trailer. <laughs> I got in there late. And they were showing trailers, right? And then so they showed the trailer with a monkey. And I looked over to my son. I was like, bro, I thought the trailers were done. And I'm sitting there watching it. And then I'm like, oh, this is the movie. You know, like like you said, I was ready to see some spaceships fly. I was like, I'm not ready to see a monkey kill someone. I was like, that looks like a cool movie. I didn't know it was the same movie at the time. Was it BJ and the Bear uncut? Yeah. 
Uh, that that would possibly be the worst version of BJ and the Bear ever. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so so Derek, did you have a a bit of understanding when you went in, like that that this is how the movie was going to start? Uh, no. Um, but uh, so I wasn't as taken a I wasn't as taken aback by it when I first watched it, just because I being familiar with Jordan Peele's work, you just kind of expect things like that. Um, you know, us kind of happens in the same way. Um, you know, even, even if you go back and watch get out, I mean, get out starts with, um, you know, I honestly, I can't even remember to be honest, but, oh, but yeah, get out starts with a kidnapping that mm -hmm. we have no idea where or what or who or why, like it, it is literally opens with somebody in a costume, grabbing somebody, throwing them in a trunk. And then it just. The, we never go back to that until like the third act of the movie. Um, and, and so it's a very peel thing to do. So I was more looking at it from a lens of like, okay, well, how is this going to connect to the overall story? This is clearly going to be important later. Um, so, you know, strap in, we're going to get weird apparently. Uh, yeah. so that was kind of my initial thought. I, I don't know that it all comes together the way that he really wants to. So in, in this regard, I've really had to talk about it and dissect it. And honestly, especially with the Gordy stuff and, and all of this, this feels like one of those things you have to watch again um, to really understand what it is that he's trying to do. Um, Cause it, it is, it's a, it's a different movie uh, all throughout. Um, and yeah, it's, it's hard to unpack and it's hard to, mm -hmm. it's hard to understand why or how it fits. It does. I just don't think it does as well as Peel hoped or wanted to. For, for a lot of people. Derek, I know this is going to be a surprise for you, but I'm going to have to disagree. <laughs> Ooh, I'm, I'm excited. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Here's how I interpreted this movie. There's, there's two different ways that I interpreted it. Number one, both the OJ character and the Jupe character are attempting to hold on to their relevance. Um, OJ is attempting to maintain his relevance in order to maintain his father's legacy. Um, and then you have, and they're both using basically the previous successes of animals. So you have the Gordy animal that Jupe is using in order to maintain his relevance at first. And then you have OJ who's using the horses to maintain his relevance at first. Eventually, both of them try to maintain their relevance by using the, let's say the alien, the spaceship at this point, we'll call it that. So I feel like in that way, you have two men who are attempting to maintain their relevance in Hollywood. And the way that they do it starts off with animals, and then it transitions over to basically uh, the alien later on. So that's the first way that, that's the first cut that I got on this. And that's why I feel that thematically, they both work together very well. Second way that I look at it is, you know, they talk about like man versus self, man versus nature. In this case, I feel like Gordy represented man versus nature. Gordy represented man's attempt to basically tame nature and nature cannot be tamed. Uh, so I feel like that's what Gordy represented. And then I feel like, uh, you know, OJ was able to tame the horses. That was his thing. But at the end of the movie, there's one thing that he tries to tame, and you can walk away asking the question, did he have the same fate 
as Jupe, which is he was unable to tame this animal. So I feel like there's two different stories, but they're both interwoven so well because both characters have the same art. I think if Jupe and Gordy wasn't in there, the movie would have been fine. <laughs> I don't think they both coincide. I think it's two different stories going on. I would be cool to see Gordy and the monkey go at it in a different movie. <laughs> to be honest, they didn't have to be in the same movie. So I have to agree. You know, like, hey, you can you can do your little hoo-ha, look over here, and then come up with something to try to cover it up. Did Jupe ever end up on the ranch? So he's he's actually like down the road. So he runs a, a uh, an old kind of rundown theme park called Jupiter's Theme Park. Uh, that's like down the road from the ranch. So right. they operate in relative close proximity. And the relationship between Jupe and OJ is that OJ is selling him uh, the horses for his uh, for his theme park. Gotcha. What OJ doesn't know is that Jupe is actually feeding the horses to this alien. Um, <laughs> So OJ, OJ is thinking that he's able to sell these horses to him for use, and then he can buy them back. That's his his motivation uh, is to get his horses back for the ranch, but he keeps getting delayed and he keeps getting pushed back because Jupe is feeding his horses uh, to to these to this to this creature in the sky. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's it's not abundantly clear right away, but I mean, after a while you kind of get that that's what's really happening. Um, I, it's funny because I actually agree with both of you guys um, because I, so to, to your point, Joe, I do believe that if you were to take out Gordy and just, because I actually think that's the best parts of the film. I think OJ and uh, M those two, I mean, Kiki Palmer is, Amazing. My God, this is this is like this is a breakout role for mm -hmm. her. She is yeah. amazing here, and I think she's juxtaposed really well against Daniel Kalula's very kind of sunken in. So you can mm -hmm. tell there's just a dichotomy of how they want to save things, and, yeah. and um, you know, I I think they're they're the best parts of the film. So anytime yeah. we're spending time with them, that they're my absolute favorite, and the film really takes off towards the end mm -hmm. when. That's really all we're focusing on. That's the real story. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, so that those are my favorite parts. So I, I fully agree that they are two different movies tied together by a very thin kind of through line. Um, and you can make a movie singularly of either one. You can make a Gordy mm -hmm. movie or you can make an OJ and M movie. And oh, yeah. both of them function fine without each other. Where I agree with you, Alan, is in your second part, um, there's two things that Peel has been pretty clear on, and he tends to not be very clear about what it is he's trying to do. But I think the general consensus is, uh, one, it is a, a man versus nature thing because both both parties, both Jupe and OJ and M for her part, they're all trying to control nature in some way, right? The, the, the folly of the TV show is that they put a chimp on a sitcom thinking that everything's going to be fine and, mm -hmm. you know, nature is unpredictable and, and it's always going to be. It is still an animal. And the minute a balloon popped, it snaps and it just goes nuts. And that's that's our own folly. And where Jupe kind of misinterprets the events is he thinks that he's got some kind of special relationship uh, with this ape because the ape didn't kill him. But what he doesn't understand is this traumatic event. The ape stopped because the balloon stopped popping. Like, uh -huh. 
that's why it just it went back to normal, so to speak. Um, but that's not really what's happening. So both of them are trying to control the uncontrollable, and that's the you know folly of man, and we're always trying mm-hmm. to do that. The second part of that is the spectacle, right? All of our culture is is hellbent on creating the next spectacle. We're all chasing the next big thing, whether it's through social media, whether it's the world is on fire, whether it whatever. I mean, I, I mean the 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 TMZ character that shows up at first, I thought that was like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Um, but there's a, a great podcast where uh, an ex TMZ uh, reporter actually talks about that scene. And he was like, no, 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 that is 100% spot on. That man is exactly what TMZ guys are like. He would rather get the shot and die than miss the shot. Like that is absolutely who they are. And that's how they treat people. Um, So this spectacle chasing and, and M kind of embodies that as well, because her whole way to solve everything is to capture spectacle. Um, They just go about it in different ways where she's just trying to capture the moment so that she can make money. Jupe is literally thinking that this is Gordy 2.0 and because he can feed it horses, it's not going to hurt him. And of course that backfires, but he's still trying to transform it into a spectacle and he hasn't learned his lesson. He doesn't Mm -hmm. realize that like, and, and he, even when he's got a showroom where he invites people in to recount this tragedy and spend thousands of dollars to stay in a Gordy tragedy room. Like he's, he has never learned from what has actually happened. So in that regard, both movies work and they're telling the same story, but that, that line is so thin. We have to have conversations like this in order to actually tie it together. You can't just watch the movie and be like, Oh yeah, no, both of those work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just like you said, like, the balloons were popping, right? And what's what, what's attached to a balloon? Strings. Strings. Exactly, exactly. So when they jacked up the UFO or the alien, the, what was the horse attached to? Strings. Exactly. <laughs> so like if they don't if he if the alien doesn't eat that fake horse, I don't think he tears up Gordy and everybody there. I think the dude was just pissed off or what the the, the alien was just pissed off and just took it out on them. Just like the chimp did with the balloons popping. Well, it's also, it's a predatory animal too. That's the mm-hmm. whole thing. And it's, it's, uh, they talk about it being territorial. And if you don't look at it, it leaves you alone. Again, going back into that, uh, that spectacle idea of like, if you don't watch the spectacle, if you're not basing your whole life chasing the spectacle, it's going to diminish and it's going to diminish in power. And it's basically going to leave you alone. Um, and anybody that survives, Never, never actually looks at it. That's, uh, that's how, what's his name? Angel. That's how Angel survives. Or, I mean, he wraps himself in barbed wire and, <laughs> but, you know, not, not looking at it is, is again, part of that thematic element of, you know, this is a territorial animal. No, you cannot control it. And if you want to live, you can't partake in the spectacle. I think you guys aren't are I agree with everything you guys are saying, but I feel like that through line is just absolutely present. Let me present this to you. Start of the movie. Gordy reacts to the balloons. End of the movie. The alien is taken down by a balloon. So that through line is continuous through the entire movie. And I'm willing to say if you go back and watch the movie. 
and you line up the two different movies, they're parallel all the way through. Just a theory. I don't know. But I bet that parallel runs through the entire movie. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, I... I would agree, except for the fact that I don't think the film, and this is blasphemy because I think that Jordan Peele has an incredible editing team and, and I think he does a great job. Um, I, I think the way that the film is edited and narratively constructed takes away from connecting all of those dots. Um, I, I, I think that there are, because there are, there are flashbacks that happen here where I, I remember watching it and just thinking, why is this here? Like, not not why does the flashback exist, but like, why is this here right now at this moment in time? Like, this you could, there's so many different ways to move around these scenes and kind of change the way the narrative actually flows to make it flow a little bit better, to make that through line make a little bit more sense. But the it gets real choppy until really until Jupe dies. Honestly, like once Jupe leaves the movie, and then we're only focused on one story. That's when that to me is when I like shot up, sat to the edge of my seat, and I was like fully invested in everything that was happening. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's some there's some strange narrative choices that I think they made uh, in trying to, which is why I don't think both of them work as well. Um, and I, I think that through line is pretty thin. Mm -hmm. You know, with so much being with it being so choppy, what do you think is left on the cutting room floor? Man, that's gotta be. <sighs> Well, perhaps we'll get the uh, Jordan Pill director's cut. One <laughs> thing that feelverse. <laughs> <laughs> I would go for that. You know, one thing that Derek talked about that uh, I have to agree with was this movie had me on the edge of my seat, like from beginning to end, even with the Gordy parts, because I was like, what's going on here? Is this kid going to die oh my god he's eating this woman's face oh well wait this fool came out and is like oh i'll take care of the monkey bad monkey bad nope. <laughs> yes like come on my dude just just run but uh yeah. bro had the dope hiding spot though i'm like why are you gonna come out he didn't know he was up there <laughs> you know that that really talks about man thinking like he can that he'll be able to uh, basically tame nature you know it's like oh i can come out and tell the monkey what to do no bro actually you can't right this you know at the end of the day this is a untamed animal as much as you'd like it like to feel like it's tamed and you know i once again that same idea keeps running through the movie you have all these characters who just keep wanting to control nature and they just can't do it you know yeah and you can see too like how mistaken he was because not only did the balloon stop popping, but there's another idea that there was a sheet that was in between them. And mm -hmm. so he was never actually looking the chimp in the eye. And so the chimp knew he was there, but he wasn't actually making eye contact, yeah. which again ties into the alien of actually looking at it, mm -hmm. which is why the monkey kind of just did the fist bump underneath because it's no longer being triggered, but it's also not perceiving him as a threat because it can't, mm -hmm. It's not actually looking at him. It just knows mm -hmm. that his presence is there. Um, and obviously, he misinterprets misinterprets that to think that like he had a special relationship with the monkey, which is why it didn't kill him. Which then translates into, oh well, I have a special relationship with this alien because I feed it horses, 
Um, yeah. He's wrong on both parts. <laughs> hey, uh, D-Rock, I got a question for you before I stick my foot in my mouth, right? Okay, you have pets, right? I have, Yes, I have two, two cats. Two cats, that's all, right? No other pets, right? Right. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Joe, you have a dog. Alfonso, what do you got? I got step puppies, but they're not here. Step puppies. Okay, perfect. <laughs> and I got this dog that just ended up at my house one day. Okay, here's my thing. Everyone knows how some people have weird-ass pets, and they're like, oh, this iguanathon can really understand what I'm saying, and the iguanathon loves me. And you're like, nah, bro, that iguanathon does not even know you're around, and the only reason that the iguanathon even acknowledges you is because you give it food, right? Yep. <laughs> and to me, that's kind of like what Jupe was, you know, where he was like, yeah, I have this connection with this wild being, and it's like, no, you don't, bro. You know, and then later on, the same thing. And, and for me, that just gets back to like when I see people with like a pet snake, and I apologize to all you pet snake lovers out there. I apologize to those weird people. <laughs> like, I, I had a snake. That snake gets, bite you. Yeah. If it gets an opportunity, it's going to wrap it around your yeah, neck, no, bro. No, no. Okay. You know, snakes hug you. What other animal hugs you? To death. <laughs> to yeah. death. Don't leave out the worst part, dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but did Alfonso, seriously, did the snake ever bite you? No, no. He was eight feet long, and uh, he was about to start eating bunnies, so I had to get rid of him. Because I could feed him a rat. I could feed him a guinea pig. Couldn't feed him a bunny. Got it. Okay. Well, <laughs> hey, you know, it still had its predatory nature, and at least you realized it. But I just think, you know, I, it's just this, this just side tangent for me. People with your weird-ass pets, stop it. Those things don't like you. You're just feeding it. That's the only reason those things don't eat you. It's just like cats. <laughs> hey, My cats love me. How dare you? Just, just okay. I've never had a chimp in front of me, but is there a, a reason why you can't kick a chimp in his face? <laughs> like is he gonna block it, bro? Is he gonna block it? Dude, the thing about chimpanzees, because you know I'm always watching documentaries that yeah. are just dumb. Chimpanzee is like, let's say, 20, 50 times stronger than a human being. So when you try to fight a chimpanzee and you try to kick it, that's just like kicking a rock. Not a D-rock, a real rock. <laughs> yeah, but is he going to block the kick? I mean, the head's not that soft. He'll get kicked, and it ain't going right? to bug him. Yeah, it's, yeah, not, no. it's not going to hurt him, bro. <laughs> huh. Yeah. You, you try ripping a face off. They really do that. Do they do that? I've seen the documentaries. They do it. Yeah, they're they're violent, you, violent animals. You talking about phases of death? From the eighties. Joe bringing us back to nineteen eighty nine. Here's another a throwback. <laughs> a question for you guys related to the Gordy story. There was the floating shoe. Did you guys recognize the floating shoe, and what the heck was that about? Uh, no. And I've, uh, that is, that is probably the one burning question I haven't had a good enough answer for. Um, is that yeah. the one where the, sh the other shoe is going to drop? Is that, is that what you no. guys are talking about? No, oh, there was a no, no, okay. it's, it's, uh, so during this, during this attack, so, uh, you know, the way that, the way that it opens is we, we come in, uh, pretty much after the attack has happened. Um, mm -hmm. so we just, we basically just see this chimp. Uh, there's a woman lying on the ground. We just see her legs. 
Um, so we, we don't even see Jupe at all in this first scene. So we, we obviously know that something horrible has happened. Um, and we see this chimp walk over to this, a balloon pops, the chimp walks over, like beats this woman and then like walks back over to like the sofa and then just stares at us. And then the scene cuts. But during the scene, there's a, there's her shoe is literally standing upright uh just in the most odd placement um like purposefully like it feels like that was supposed to be there um and it's just standing straight up for no reason um and there's never an explanation for it um he has the shoe in his little shrine uh in in and it's framed and it's standing upright um we never talk about it again we never come back to it it's just i don't know and i've i've never heard a good explanation for it i've heard a few but I've never heard a good explanation as to why it's there. Yeah, just so you know, I, I, I know why. Oh, good. Because because the shoe that it fit on the girl, she got beat the hell up. So that's why her shoe was up because this girl got beat up. <laughs> so that shoe was standing up to let you know because you couldn't see how much he beat her up. Just look at the shoe. <laughs> yeah, the big theory on TikTok is that. You know, there's a saying, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And that's basically all it was. It was I, yeah. I, the other one I heard is that it's basically just a distraction. Um, uh, that it's that it's meant to just kind of distract your eye and, and draw attention to something that mm -hmm. is purely coincidental um, to make you feel as if there's more going on when really it's just it's just exactly what it is. Uh, it's mm -hmm. just a an ape that they stupidly thought that they had under control. <laughs> if, but, it, but also if you think about it, it's a young girl getting beat up by a chimp. And so for you not to see that, like you said, a good distraction is the shoe. Cause the whole time I was looking at the shoe going, what the hell is up with the <laughs> yeah, shoe? I know I was too. I was gonna, and we, we, like, I thought this is a movie about aliens. So I'm over here thinking mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah. what's, what's the alien connection to a standing upright shoe? <laughs> okay. This is why I kind of got upset with Peel, okay? When I went to watch the movie, I was falling asleep. I'm not going to lie. I was falling asleep. I woke up when he was in the barn. And I seen little dark figures sticking their head. I look at my oh, son. Oh, God, that was such and a it, good And thing. it freaked me out. Because, you know, when you fall asleep and you wake up, you're like, oh, what? Hey, boy, what's that? He's like, I think those are the monkeys. Why would he say that? Because he started off with monkeys. They're so bad. why not? Why wouldn't my son say, "Oh, they're monkeys, Dad"? <laughs> that was but, a great scene, though. That that was another yeah, yeah. one of those like that, like nods to M Night Shyamalan mm -hmm. a little bit there. Yeah. So so expertly filmed. Like yeah. I I loved everything about that yeah. scene. That's when I kind of got into the movie more from that scene right there because it was kind of freaking me out, but. That that's what I like about that. Like, and then the sudden, you know, you be chilling, you see the <laughs> when he said, when he looked at him, he's like, Nope. Come on, we all would say that. Nope, <laughs> I ain't trying to go over there. I'm gonna turn around and I'm out. So I started laughing because I'm like, dude, that's what we all would say. Yeah. You know, except for you know, like there's some other people that would want, eh, what is that? Let me go see. Uh we we wouldn't do that. But you know, I know that's what you want to say. I'll say yeah. the quiet part out loud for you, bro. Yeah. I got you. 
what's that over there? Let me go look and see what that is. Uh, yeah, but it's it's funny though because that's I mean as as much as we joke, I I do mm-hmm. think that was very intentional. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think I I think not even just in the title, mm-hmm. but like anytime that stuff happened, all of them were like, nope. Yeah, nope, oh, for I'm sure. Not, not and and that is. That is, I, I almost feel like anybody who who is a minority, especially in America, yeah. like, that's our default survival tactic. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's why we yell at horror movies all yeah. the time because we're yeah. just like, no, no, yeah. don't do we, that. We do that. Yeah. That's dumb. Get out. Why are you here? Yeah. And what's cool is it's politically collect, correct for us minorities because we would look and be like, nope. Like yeah. that, that was one of the reasons me and Alan dislike <laughs> horror movies back in the day because people that look like us always die first. Always. Yeah. And it was like, bro, we are not going to go find out what that noise is. That, that's just already fake right there because <laughs> we do exactly what Pete said. And, and nope, we ain't doing it. We ain't even trying to do it. And, you know, but also, like, his, you know, when he looks to the right and you just see the little alien flight, you know, it's like, Little things like that, I yeah. I wish more horror movies would do similar stuff like that because to me, that kind of freaks me out more than the, hey, I'm going to come out and stab you. Yeah. You know what I mean? With that little thing right there, like, ooh, he's jumping from cloud to cloud. You know, it, it, and then you keep looking up. When he's looking up, you're not even watching him anymore. You're looking up at the sky. Yeah, and, trying, to, trying to scan a, a yeah. clear sky with just a little bit of clouds. And mm-hmm. I, I said this in my article, too, and I just – I the reason I want Peel to do this black and white thing is because it's it's rare that you find a director uh, and a cinematographer who is so skilled that they can just show you a still shot of the sky and mm-hmm. you're never going to look at clouds again. Like mm-hmm. it is, yeah. it is mm-hmm. so terrifying and so haunting to just see clouds in a clear blue sky and be like, I'm I'm afraid for I'm mm-hmm. afraid for my life mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah for but sure. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing that it was able to pull that kind of stuff off. Because that's that's what that's what that's one of the things I like about Bill. You remember when we were young, like when Nightmare on Elm Street came out, like it deal with dreams, and we were like, "I'm not going to bed." Yeah, you know. And then with Jaws, it was the water. Yeah, and to Jaws, your point, Jaws is one of those things, yeah. man. Where it just it has created irrational fears in mm-hmm. millions of people. Like, yeah. we all know that most, for the most part, most beaches are safe, and. Yeah. That, you know, the odds of you getting bit by a shark are about the same as you, you know, getting struck by lightning or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but I, even to this day, like, I'll go swimming and have an irrational fear that there's a shark in the pool. I know, oh, yeah. I know that's not real, but Joss mm-hmm. has scarred me forever. Yeah. <laughs> like when someone's surfing and they, and they fall down and the board flips over and you see the three fins. Yep. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, hmm. And immediately the song, the, you know, the, the, the music comes in. in, in, in. Yep. That's a, can you imagine if Peel was on that level of music with his cinematography and the way his visual effects are? If he just had certain themes that stuck to that? Like, what if he had a theme every time that alien jumped from cloud to cloud? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's I think he's getting there. I mean, again, I, I think Jaws, Jaws is probably the most direct homage that he's really trying I, I think thematically um most of what he's doing there is is jaws and i i believe that he will get there i mean i think i think get out is pretty close i, I think there's a pretty cl- i mean you, you hear the yeah 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 you hear that and you're like oh let's get out like you know but i think i think you're right i think if he could get that one great thing where 
even if you absolutely hated Nope, you will never forget the theme music. Yeah, and for sure. Always look at clouds and start humming it. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. I think that the music, as far as Jordan Peele goes, I feel like he's trying to do something a little bit differently. You guys are going to have to remind me when uh, OJ was in his car and he was trying basically to get to the Fry's van, there was a song that was playing, but it was slowed down. And he does that pretty frequently yeah. where he takes mm -hmm. a song that you're yeah. familiar with and it kind of freaks you out because you're like, the notes sound different and the words take on a little bit different meaning. I feel like that's what he's trying to do. So he's not going to do that traditional uh, theatrical score. He's trying to take what you're familiar with and give it a different, a different ear, a different way of hearing it. I think yeah. that's his, uh, that's his musical take. That's what he's trying to do. Yeah, I can see that. I love that scene, by the way. That's what that that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Because mm -hmm. uh, that that has everything. That has that has the horror. That has the mystery. That has the the nope. Uh, and then mm -hmm. it has the creepy music, just all put together in one scene. And it's just it's just Daniel Kalula sitting in his car, waiting for this nightmare of blood to just stop falling from the sky. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, dude, we just freaked him out. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I was not exaggerating, by the way. That that, yeah. is, that does actually happen. Mm -hmm. Nice. Very which, nice. which, to your point, Derek, like everything about this movie, like you know, when when the alien uh, UFO, whatever we choose to call it, was over the house, and it's just raining down all of this debris along with all of the blood. It's such an intense scene. It's one yeah. of those things where I'm like, I've never seen anything like that before. And I never thought I would like mm -hmm. think I'd see anything and be so to your point, spectacle, right? The yeah. spectacle of it just had me completely mesmerized. And that's the thing about this movie, which is probably why I like it more than a lot of the other pill movies, because what I was seeing had me completely captivated from beginning to end. And it made me think on a level I don't think a lot of the other movies did. I, I would argue that Get Out is probably his most thoughtful and introspective. Um, and, and I also think it's probably his I think it's his tightest film narratively. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think you see that a lot, especially with young directors when they're, you know, when they're, when they're finally given an opportunity, it's everything they've ever wanted to do. Um, but they're restricted by, you know, they, they don't have the big budget that they're really able to work with. So yeah. they, that restriction, I, I think actually feeds into incredible creativity. I mean, uh, just as a quick example, Star Wars is fantastic because it had practically no budget. Like mm -hmm. we, we love Star Wars because it was made for practically nothing. Cause the studio was like, this is awful. No one is going to watch this. Um, and what, what ends up happening though, is, is the bigger, the budget, the bigger, the spectacle, the bigger, the ambition, the more that you can do. And I think that, I, I don't think Peel is there yet. I don't think he's gotten to a point where like he's losing focus and he's losing story, but I do think with things like us, and nope, both of which I think are far more imbalanced all the way through than with something like Get Out, where from start to finish, you are never confused as to what, once you've watched it all the way through, everything just feels tight and purposeful and meaningful and mm -hmm. to the point. And then you get to us and things feel a little out of place. I mean, it, it all kind of makes sense in the end, but there are still things that feel, yeah, a little too ambitious for their own good. And then I think mm -hmm. when you get into nope, 
I think it's almost the best of both where you've got the strong kind of through lines that we talked about that are, you know, very much a part of get out and, you know, the, the social commentary and the political, every type of commentary, it's all built into here, but then it also has a little bit of that clunkiness and messiness that you get from us. Um, I think it's a better movie than us, but I don't think it's a better movie than get out, but I think he's trying to do both, right? He's trying to, do ambition while staying focused on what it is he's trying to say. Makes perfect sense. I want to throw some ideas at you guys, or rather a question, into the movie. Was OJ still alive? I knew you were going to ask this question. I love it. You think she's imagining that he's there? Here's my thought. The dad... There's a scene in the movie where the dad is talking to OJ, but the dad's clearly dead. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking that she was also envisioning OJ, but he was also dead. Well, by theory, if he doesn't look up at it, he's not dead at all. Absolutely correct. However, which I got another question for you guys, but I'll get to that one in a second. Didn't he at one point look directly at the monster? I was and just going to say that. Yep. Yeah. That, that's the, that was the whole thing of his. He was, he was trying to be the distraction that they needed. And he, he basically took on this entity, I guess, um, by, by basically staring it down and not even attempting to tame it, but basically saying, I'm not afraid. Um, there, there, there is a lot of validity to the theory that OJ probably didn't make it um for a couple of reasons so one uh he did stare directly at it and that thing was mouth open ready to eat um two he from him for him to get from where he was to jupiter's whatever uh i don't know that he would have made it there in time uh even if he did survive uh three he's in the alien dust when he shows up so when she sees him he's basically covered in this you know kind of dust bowl even though the alien's not there, he's still covered in, in dust as it swirls around. And then four, he's directly under the sign that says out yonder, um, which if I know Peel, there is no possible way that is not on purpose. Um, yeah. And the fifth part of it is there's a lot of that Western kind of heroism, especially to yeah. that character, that, that stoic hero that mm -hmm. rides off into the sunset and, yeah, yeah, sure, he might have beat everything, but he's riding off to die. Mm -hmm. That is present throughout this entire yeah. film, and he is that character. So there's, there is a lot of validity to the idea that yeah. he did not make it and she did not actually see him. Because it's like a, what, the Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Remember, yep. it was a movie yep. they were arguing. Uh -huh. No, he's riding off in the sunset. No, he's riding to his death. Yeah. What movie was that from? Oh, it's, um, uh, oh, God. It wasn't Pulp Fiction, was it? No, 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 no. it's not Pulp Fiction. It's, um... <sighs> this, is gonna, this is gonna this is gonna kill dead. I know this, this I should know this right out of the gate because yeah. I know for sure the movie that we're talking about right now. I can hear the conversation. I just have no idea. Yeah, what I want to say it was Samuel Jackson, right? He was one of them. Yeah, yeah, it is right. Is it all right? Never mind. Ask your question. Yeah. I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, was that was that the thing where they said um why why would he ride off in the sunset? Because he's just gonna have to sleep outside of the town under the stars when he could actually just rent a hotel room and stay there? Nope. <laughs> no, it, it, and it, it, 
in the movie, it means something thematically. Like when they're yeah. talking about it, it's no. Got it. It's the negotiator. That's what it is. Yeah, there we go. The it, was, it was Samuel Jackson and Kevin Spacey. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yep. That was a great movie. I knew I'd find it. I knew I'd find it. I was like literally playing the scene in my head. Yeah. Uh, Alan, what was your second question? Okay, so my second question, and this is just like an Alan observation. I haven't really, you know, heard anybody say this or anything. Did it appear to you that when the uh, alien fully extended and took its final form, did it kind of look like a silver screen to you? Which I felt was kind of like, if my theory is correct, was sort of a metaphor for the whole spectacle of the silver screen in Hollywood. I mean, it's not out of line. I mean, you can, you know, there's a lot of uh, thematic elements in regards to film and making film and capturing shots. And, you know, there there's obviously a very strong reason as to why they're not just horse ranch owners. They're Hollywood horse ranch owners. Um, and you know, th there's, you can tell that Peel is trying to do some kind of commentary on his own industry. Um, and honestly, I, I wouldn't really discount that. I, even if nobody talked about it, I, I think part of the reason the alien becomes so uh, spectacular, I guess, um, is so that we don't know what, what it actually is. We can't box it. It's not, it's not a little green man. Uh, you know, with bug eyes, it's it's a, a, a an unformed, untamed, you know, whatever it is you want it to be. Um, it's just dangerous, whatever it is, whether it's the silver screen or, you know, an, an angel, uh, you know, whatever um, it's, you know, it's it's meant to be uh, uninterpretable, I think. So, yeah, I think there's some validity to that. Well, okay, cool. I, this ain't to Alan because he doesn't play these type of games. But uh, it reminds me of like, you know, RPG type of games like fantasy, Final Fantasy. The final form, it looks like one of them bosses that you would see like in an RPG game. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's what I got from it when I saw that. I was, I kind of didn't care too much that you see the true form. I kind of, I was okay with the way it looked. Yeah. Like, I, I it it definitely has that, that, uh, that uh, you, you beat the spaceship and you're like, I did it. I did it. And yeah. then. And then it transforms, all its health comes back, and you're like, no. Yeah. He's, he's like, Goku, this is my second form. Hey, I don't know if you caught this. What I like about Pio, he's he does jabs, and Derek, um, I'm going to need your help on this one. You remember when he was standing next to the horse, and there was a certain person standing next to him? Oh, he was, yeah. <laughs> that, that particular actor? Yes. Yeah. And I, yeah. when she, he goes, when she looked at him, she said, oh, you're OJ, huh? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you get yeah, it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh. you get, it's like the little like when I seen that, I was like, Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, for <laughs> for sure. For sure. I, I also I just as a personal note, I love the return of Michael Wincott. Um Yeah. I I freaking love that guy so much. Mm -hmm. And he his whole career can be summed up by him in this movie, uh, because he is hands down one of the best parts in the movie but he's completely underutilized and yeah. he like comes and goes way too soon. And that is literally Michael Wincott in every single every movie, movie he's ever been in. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Gentlemen, I've got one additional question for you. Alfonso, you can just roll the dice and tell us whatever TikTok <laughs> told you to say. Okay. <laughs> Final question is, did you enjoy the Gordy movie more? 
or the OJ movie more? I, w- I want to hear what TikTok has to say, actually. Before <laughs> I, I, I feel like I need to be inf- – I'm not on TikTok, so I, I need to be informed yeah. of what's going on in the TikTok world. So from what I hear, I, I think the OJ portion would be a lot more enjoyable. Uh, the Gordy sounds like fun, though, because, <laughs> yeah, I, I like the psychosis. <laughs> yeah. Alfonso, you have to see this movie, man. It's, I, it's a I'm great going movie. to. I'm going yeah. to. Joe. Hmm. See, they're both good in in their own right. So it's kind of for me. It's like I kind of want to see both. If they were in separate movies, I would enjoy both. So it's kind of tough for me. But the reason why I would kind of lean towards the chimp and Gordy, because where do you go from there after the chimp beat up the girl? Like, where do you go from there, right? Where where OJ, you know where they're gonna go with that, right? He's gonna continue to eat until you stick a balloon up his butt and he dies. But with the chimp, where do you go from there? Like, I would be more curious to see that. Okay. Derek, before you answer, I'm gonna jump in. Uh, like I said, this is a historical moment. I hope everyone's sitting down. I hope they're drinking their pink drink. This is the first movie I've ever given eight nerd flags because it's two movies both of which were absolutely spectacular in their own right acting action special Mm -hmm. effects story both were amazing right so each movie within the movie gets its own four nerd flags eight nerd flags total uh which is the first time that's ever happened in my reviews that being said i really liked the uh, oj story i just thought you know derek described him as stoic I thought that his contrast to Emerald, who I was absolutely annoyed by, I just felt like it played so well. It made me enjoy the movie more. I thought that his interaction with the alien slash UFO slash a monster that's been around for thousands of years and we don't know it. It just left me so curious to want. I want a sequel like Emerald versus the monster, you know? I was just really, really enjoying the uh, OJ portion. So that's what I would want to see more of. And I enjoyed most Derek. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to agree with you, man. I, as interesting as, as the Gordy, uh, as interesting as the Gordy story is, and, and it is, and I, it's again, man, I, this is a credit to peel because the more I talk about this movie, uh, the more I feel like I have to watch it again. I, the, the longer I've unpacked it, the more I'm like, man, maybe, Maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe I need to just go back and analyze it, and maybe Gordy will be my favorite. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's and you know, like I said, love him or hate him, man. He makes movies that you will not forget, no matter what, and you have to talk about. Like I saw it, and I you know posted up a quick little post about it. You know, teasing the review. I had three people before 10 a.m. that same day message me and be like. I need to unpack this. Like, people, like they have to talk about this movie every single time, no matter what. Um, so all that being said, I, I do, I lean much more towards the OJ and M story. I, I found that far more fascinating. Um, I think some of that is the performances. I mean, I think Kaluuya and, and Palmer are just absolute powerhouses together. I think their attitudes are beautifully juxtaposed mm-hmm. as siblings. And you can tell that they clearly had different relationships with their father, which caused them to have different relationships with each other. Um, So I I very much enjoyed that, you know, as much as angel is just kind of the stereotypical comic relief. um, 
I dug him. I, I liked him. I, I know he got yeah. a lot of flack among critics because he's just kind of a kind of a throwaway character, but I, I dug the hell out of him. Um, yeah. And then, you know, obviously Michael Wincott. So it just mm-hmm. everything surrounding that story, I think the scenes that I really take away from it and the things that really stick with me and the things that I enjoyed the most in the film, particularly the third act when all of the Jupe and Gordy stuff has been wrapped up and now we're just focused on OJ and M. Those were some of my absolute favorite parts of the film. Um, so I, I, I would have to go with the OJ and M story. Awesome. Derek, let me say thank you so much for just being a writer, period, man, because, yep. you know, I, I read your stuff and it makes me mm-hmm. think. And, you know, the guys will tell you I'm freaking illiterate, bro. I don't read. <laughs> <laughs> but when I see your articles, man, I'm like, OK, Derek has some good mm-hmm. stuff. I always read your articles, man. So thank you very okay. much for. Okay, yeah, yeah man. And thank you for being on the show, dude. Uh, yeah. Where can people follow you, find you, et cetera, and et cetera? Yeah, for sure. So you guys can follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter uh, at DRock Comedy. That's D-R-O-K Comedy. Um, you can find me on Facebook. at just my name, Derek Murray. I'll probably come up. Um, and then obviously check out nerdbot.com. Uh, my art, you know, I have, I've been, Took a little bit of a break, but I feel like I'm kind of coming back now. So I've, I've got quite a few. There's like nine movies coming out this week alone. So I, I've got my work cut out for me. Uh, luckily, I've, I've seen some of them during the festival season. So I kind of mm-hmm. did a capsule for those because it's just there's too many. Um, but yeah, definitely check out nerdbot.com for for all the reviews and, and everything. So Yeah. I, I appreciate you coming on the show, Derek. I love reading your articles. I'm kind of selfish with it when I read it. Because I read it for the sole purpose. Because you and I tend to agree more than me and Dukes does. So <laughs> reading your articles, I try to paint a picture like, ooh, Dukes is not going to like this. Dukes is not gonna like this. <laughs> and so I formulate an argument to support your views on stuff just to tear apart Dukes' it. arguments. I love it. Oh, I love it. Oh, so good. So good. This concludes this episode of the Nerd World Order broadcast. So until next time, ladies, gentlemen, and knights of the Nerd World Order, I am NWO. We are NWO. Nerds redefined. Booyah! Booyah!